0: Welcome to chapels from Rosedale Bible College. Thanks for joining our community for weekly chapels recorded on our campus in Rosedale, Ohio. We hope you are challenged and inspired by what you hear. Enjoy. I am
1: very pleased to introduce Conrad to you. He was born and raised in South Alabama on a family farm where we grew mostly soybeans, corn, and some wheat occasionally. He is a graduate of Atmore Christian School, class of 1991, one of four in that class. Uh, After which he came to Rosedale Bible Institute and then to Jefferson Davis Community College and then to the University of West Florida where he got a B.A. in Piano Performance and then on to the University of Cincinnati where he graduated with a Master's in Piano Performance and claims to be a dropout because he didn't finish the doctorate in the same program. But I don't use that language. In terms of his family connections, he is the the son of my brother. He is a father to David, Jace, and Abigail. He is a husband to Leslie. Two of these people are present. I think he's going to point them out or uh, make other comments along the way. Uh, Music is a very common theme in in Conrad's life. Uh, His piano experimentation when he was like three and four was somehow different from You know, just the kid banging on the piano. It it had some sense of musicality that we all observed, and it turned out to be, uh, you know, presaging better things. Um, When he was in Jefferson Davis Community College, he was a member of the Jazz Band, which seemed like a really sort of far out kind of thing for uh, a young Mennonite from Atmore to be involved in, and he might have some stories about that. He was a clinician here at RBC's Choral Fest, we can't remember, three or four years ago. And I always look forward to recommendations uh, from Conrad for music to listen to. Uh, He will always uh, be appreciated for having introduced me to the Reverend Dan Smith, uh, to to Desky Truck's band, and even to things like Eric Eisenwald's Only in Sleep with Trinity Choir and that particular soprano solo. It's very, very, very nice. So who knows what it's gonna be, but it's gonna be good. And I feel the same way about this address. I don't know exactly what it's gonna be, but it's gonna be good. So would you please join me in welcoming Conrad Weber. Good
0: morning, everybody. Um, Phil, I I had forgotten about this, and he mentioned um, Jeff Davis Community College, and so I was like, I gotta tell this story. Um, because This happened very shortly after I left um, Rosedale. Was Rosedale Bible Institute at the time, and so yeah, I was. I had a scholarship to play piano for. They called it a jazz band. It was like a show choir. It was a band in the back, and then singers that sang and did uh, choreography. And we all wore sequin vests, and it was a great '80s or early '90s party. Um, and so we went to this festival um, in East Alabama, and there was one guy in our group who was. Taking the long term college route, and he was over 21, so he went out and bought some alcohol and brought it back to the hotel we were staying. We're up on the second floor. This hotel has a balcony. Um, kids started drinking, some guys got really drunk, uh, started <clears throat> throwing up in bathtubs. I'm and, and this kid fresh out of Rosedale, and this is um, a little bit new. Um, <laughs> we, didn't, we didn't do all of those things when we were here, and, and so. Um, then one guy comes out, and he goes to the balcony, and he pees over the balcony onto a car um, down below. And I'm like, we, we are so dead. Um, all of us except the one guy are underage, and I'm like, we're going to get busted for drinking. And so I, have, I make zero um, theological implications from this, but I was like, God, um, can you help us out a little bit? And true story, a light rain fell, and misted all the cars with water. Um, And we helped the guy who was thrown up in the tub and we went to bed eventually and performed the next day. So anyway, I always remember that story. So I am Conrad. Um, I attended here during the 91, 92 uh, school year. Uh, I've been married for almost 27 years. to My wife, Leslie, she's in the back by Twyla. Um, We met at RBC, which seems to happen occasionally. Um, I'm from Alabama, she is from Iowa. We have three children ages 17 to 22. We're deeply grateful for and proud of the, the life with God um, that they have, although there were times when um, we weren't so sure um, about some of them. I had to, had to play the dad card at least once. And can we just, can we just celebrate the, the, the Christian trifecta of Santa Claus hat and Star Wars light, lightsaber and King Peter of Narnia's shield? Um, the tie and the sequin vest, I have no idea what is that. But um, So we, um, I'll share some of our, our, our journey and then kind of talk about some things at the end. I went to RBC, met my future wife on AquaChink. Um, this is her and this is me. Um, and AquaChink, we really need to try to bring that back if at all possible. This is us. Um, we also had Open Dorm back then. and so bunch of couple of babies. Um, so I studied piano performance in college, as Phil mentioned, because piano was what I had been good at, um, is what I, and I wanted, all I knew then is I wanted to do music for a living, okay? First warning flag, we'll note there. Um, I had no real idea of what my career options were. Um, Leslie and I were married in college, and after undergrad down south, we moved to Cincinnati, as Phil mentioned, um, for me to attend graduate school and for her to attend the University of Cincinnati. We connected to a church uh, during that time, it had a, had a profound impact on us, so grateful for that to this day. Eventually, I realized I didn't want to be a classical piano professor, which is when I stopped the doctoral program. Um, that was the career path I was on, and we wanted to raise our kids closer to family, so we moved back to Alabama in the fall of 2002. It was a very difficult season initially. I worked as a marketing representative for a healthcare company for two years and then did some uh, real estate managing in some apartments purchasing them with some friends but i was struggling a lot i was wrestling with what i should do knowing that i wanted something different Um, but not sure what to do there was definitely some depression and just really kind of pressing into god and mentors and counselors during that time as well Um, that led to um, deciding that i wanted to connect my life somehow to people and kids who were growing up in in disadvantaged circumstances and what i knew best was music and so i thought well Um, I don't have any experience in classroom teaching, but what if I were to uh, teach music in a school that wasn't everybody's first choice to teach at? I'd been inspired by a podcast that I heard. Um, So I thought about shadowing a teacher in a school that was close to me. And something else happened through a series of events that I couldn't have orchestrated if I tried. A job came to me. Uh, I jumped in as a middle school teacher several months into the school year, never having been in a public school classroom before, um, as a student or teacher. And so they wanted me to start a a keyboard uh, classroom studio so the, the details and the stories of um, beginning that um, are, are a whole, journey, whole story of their own, um, lots of stories there and learning. But one day after school, I walked by a choir room, and the choir had been shut down for about seven years, and I heard um, some kids singing some gospel music It sounded really good, and it was, it was run by an after school uh, it was part of an after school program run by a person in the community. The choir had been shut down, as I said so I was like, we should have a choir here, so I asked about restarting the choir that eventually took off. Um, eventually started teaching at the high school as well. And so then for a total of 13 years, I taught probably eight or the eight of them was middle school in the morning and high school um, in the afternoon. It was a difficult, amazing uh, and life changing experience. I'm severely Caucasian, as you can tell, and, and almost all of my students were African-American. And what I learned in those years of being a, a cultural minority is, is, a, is a talk all of its own. Um, but I'll just say that in light of things that have been happening recently in our culture, the, the videos that a lot of people in our churches circulate about issues related to race and our culture, when you get closer and you get to know real people in real situations, it, it looks, uh, looks very much different. I'm just gonna leave that there. It's a whole other issue, but the, the change that happened with us um, with, with me being the, uh, the cultural minority is, is just something that I, I'm uh, so grateful for. And God just changed a lot of stuff uh, in us in that time. So I like listening to leadership podcasts and was challenged by one to pick a goal that was so big that only God, you know, it couldn't be accomplished unless God would work in it somehow. And so I, I said, I wanted, I wanted to take our choir to sing in New York City and Carnegie Hall on stage. And what I meant was I wanted us to get good enough that we could actually perform ourselves, which was a huge long shot. And that's not what happened. But what did happen is, one day, a flyer came across my mail about a a festival in Carnegie Hall um, for high school students where you could come together and sing as part of a larger choir. And so we uh, got permission, sent in an audition, we were accepted, we started raising money, it was about $2,000 per person, and there were about 16 students that wanted to go. You can do the math on that, it's a high-poverty public school. People and businesses came together in the community and helped us raise the money. Um, and we went to New York. Uh, it was an amazing experience. I'll never, ever forget. Um, being inside uh, love those kids. it's been a number of years ago, being inside Carnegie Hall and uh, during rehearsal, and actually then seeing them um, seeing them on stage. There we go. And just wiping away tears as I realized just the journey that, that we were able to make from um, from a small town to on stage in New York City. And so the unplanned journey into teaching has left us, because I didn't plan to be a teacher when I was at Rosedale, I I had no interest in education at all, Um, has left us changed in many ways and and left us with some deep connections with students that continue. This trip was definitely, um, definitely the high point for us. And then choir program started to go downhill. I tried everything I knew to keep it from happening. I reached out to mentors and college professors uh, to help. And due to a number of factors beyond my control, it just continued to decline. I kept thinking, maybe I'm the problem. Um, My colleagues said, no, it's not you. There were other issues going on, too. Then COVID hit a couple years ago, and it got really bad. And I came to realize that I'd been burning out for a number of years, and I needed to make a change, so I resigned. Uh, The new director is having even more difficulty than I had. And if I'm honest, it would have made me pretty frustrated if it would have been easy for him. It's the human part of me. Um, I did a Pathways talk a number of years ago, when things were more at their high point shortly before the New York trip. And this is not the way I saw it going at all when I spoke here before. Um, for a number of reasons, we felt led to move to this community, so I resigned my position. We moved up here for a few months, a few months ago. Um, I had done some training in 2019 to do tub, tile, and countertop resurfacing and so as a side hustle, and so I was planning to start that business here. Uh, Based on some things that we learned in the process of being here, um, we have very unexpectedly decided the best thing is actually to move back to Alabama um, for this season of our life, and coming to that decision was both embarrassing in one sense because of how it can look from the outside, but it's also strengthened our reliance on God um, as we've had to really press into what we feel is is best, even if it if it looks reckless or impulsive, if you don't know the, the story. So, I started with Rosedale, went to school for piano, worked in churches, healthcare marketing, low-income real estate property, choral music education, and now tub and tile resurfacing. I have no idea why they asked me to talk to you about pathways. Um, <laughs> because I'm still trying to figure mine out. Um, but I want to... Have us read this, Um, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart is working for the Lord, not for men since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ that you are serving. We're gonna come back uh, to this, even during the years that we were singing all over the community with the choir, lots of road trips to college honor choirs and all state festivals and great times with the students, people coming to our concerts from the community who didn't have kids there just because they liked what was happening, liked to hear them sing. I was never at peace because I could not get us to the next level. Um, here we go. Um, I couldn't do with kids from a high-poverty school what my colleagues would do with their middle and upper-class schools, and it drove me crazy. I was constantly comparing myself to directors who were accomplishing more with their choirs than I was with mine. Honestly, I was comparing myself to anyone who was doing more in any area of my life than I was. I wanted my life to be this Oprah show moment, have all this tremendous impact, and, and I was measuring that impact by numbers, and by getting noticed by other people. When school shut down for COVID the first time, I had more time to think about things, I became painfully aware that I was not at peace. My version of of this verse would have been, whatever you do, do it with all your heart is unto the Lord and it will grow, be successful and impact lots of people, and you'll be noticed and admired by those around you. I would not have wanted to admit that, um, but that's what my heart kept reaching for. I was constantly measuring what I was doing based on our culture's metrics of success which are numbers and fame in the social media world it's likes and shares and follows and all that kind of stuff but it's the same thing it's it's um we have this thing in our culture that if, if it's successful that everything has to just be up and to the right all the time and i i was way more attached to that than i had had wanted to admit my head knew that if i got to where i thought i should be um i would just see something somebody else it was further along and i knew in my head that i'd never be satisfied but i just i couldn't get my heart to let go of that so i began to dive into this with god um, and was really honest with my friends and mentors and my wife and children um, and god started using various people and circumstances since then to help slowly kind of dismantle and rebuild uh, my heart and my definitions of what success is we're going to talk about that at the end so I'm in a place where I, I really have no idea where this is leading. But I'm also, most days, more settled in my heart than I've been in a long time. We're gonna talk about why here at the end. Um, one of the things that we're seeing is that Leslie and I have, have always been very interested and concerned in how the, how the church moves into culture um, for the sake of the gospel and how it connects with people who don't know Christ. Um, that's always been very important to us and so I have often struggled with a trajectory of my music career from what I wanted it to be when I was in in your shoes here years ago and to what it actually turned out to be. If you look at it through the lens of a music career, it's just a hot mess of just chunks of things that really don't um, build momentum to anywhere. And that's not an exaggeration in terms of just a music career. However, if you look through the lens of God, all the things that God has led us to, of Him equipping us for ministry, for helping other people, um, then we can see a pattern with that. And so um, I'm, not, I'm not always happy every day um, with how things have turned out, but there's a growing sense of peace that this is kind of where God's leading, and we're going to just see how it all continues to unfold. So I want to, there's, there's um, three things that I want to kind of um, leave with you that this is very much kind of where I'm at right now, what I'm wrestling with. And the first one is embracing the mystery of free will and sovereignty. And what I mean by that is there's some verses that have come to mean a lot to us in Proverbs. We can make our plans, but the Lord determines our steps. Many are the plans in a person's heart, but it's the Lord's purpose that prevails. And so we're, we're learning that it's not one or the other. Tim Keller has helped me a lot with this over the years. We make plans and we struggle to figure things out, and, and we look back and we see not always, but often we see that God was, in fact, directing things. At the time, it just felt like making a decision. Sometimes it's really hard. But both are at work. Can't explain it. I just know that it's real, as we have, have lived this far. Second thing, and we're gonna, we'll refer back to this uh, in a moment. The second thing that's happening is learning to embrace new metrics of success. Um, God is slowly freeing my heart from being so concerned about numbers and popularity or exposure. Um, But what I'm finding is that as he starts to, and this is when Paul talks about the things I want to do, I do, things I don't want to do, I do, okay? Um, Things I want to do, I don't do. I get that because what'll happen for me, um, this sounds really silly, but I will as, as God's freeing me from, from being so focused on numbers and, and exposure and my heart is starting to connect to, to new definitions of success, then I'll be like, hey, this is great. He's breaking me and he's connecting me to new things that are healthier so that he can blow it out really big, right? Um, and it's like, so, I'm just so, so desperately in need of God's grace all the time because my heart keeps wanting to run back to, um, to that and, and in his grace, he keeps pulling me um, and helping me in this direction. So... I'm going to just mention these very quickly. Each of these, this is a whole talk on its own that we won't do. Um, Whoops. Come on. Okay, so my doing for God flows out of my being with God. That's success, whatever job, whatever season of life. Those closest to me, this is whether you're married or single, um, those closest to me, my family, my friends, they know that they're loved, they know that they're lovable, that they're worthy of love. If that's happening, that's success. It doesn't matter how big things are blowing up in my life or how bad they're tanking. Accepting the current season I'm in, this is a big one for us right now because not every season of life is growing and harvesting. There are seasons of, of winter when it's dark, it's cold, You can't see anything happening, but there's stuff underneath that's breaking down, that's preparing. Um, So maybe you're in a composting season, (laughs) like it feels for us right now, um, where stuff is being stuff is dying, so that new growth can happen. Growth always, life always happens from death, and so there are seasons where it's hard, but it doesn't mean that nothing is happening. It's just it's not that season. There are also seasons in life where there are limits. Um, Maybe there's young children. Maybe there's an aging parent to care for. Maybe there's a health problem. Maybe there's um, financial challenges. Whatever it is, there's limits in those seasons of life, um, and those those limits have gifts in us, for us, in them, if we'll if we'll allow that um, growth. Am I growing in my walk with Jesus and the roles in my life that matter? These are some of the definitions of success. Um, I'm very grateful to Pete Scazzaro's work um, for what we're going to be talking about the rest of the time. His teaching has helped me a lot in some of this is to kind of disconnect and say, this is what it means to be successful, not whether my work um, blows up all over the place or not. And finally, embracing my calling to full-time ministry. Whatever you do, work at it with all of your heart as working for the Lord, not for men. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, it is the Lord Christ you are serving." So I believe that all of us are called to full-time ministry when we are reborn into the new life of Jesus. Being in ministry is not something we decide whether or not God is calling us to do. If you're a follower of Jesus, you're called, called to make disciples for Jesus, and you're called to full-time ministry in whatever you do. And our whole life is our calling, every phase, every season, whatever we do and wherever we do it. So what I wanna leave you with today is actually a list of some questions and I'm forming them in questions because this this is the real time, mental, spiritual space that I'm in right now of just kind of wrestling with this and, and God is kind of freeing some things in me with these but I'm just throwing out some questions. What if our calling really is to make disciples and to do whatever we do as if the person on the other side of that work is Jesus himself. So if you're a teacher, your students are Jesus. If you're a mechanic, you're fixing a car for Jesus. If you're a mom, you're raising Jesus as your child or if you're a dad and on and on and on. If you're, if you're a waiter, if you're a lawyer, if you're a doctor, you're doing it as unto the Lord, it is the Lord Christ that you are serving. Someone told me once that the gospel come, and I love this phrase, the gospel comes to us on its way to someone else. The gospel comes to us on its way to someone else so as you're out there doing whatever you do as as you're serving jesus as if you're serving jesus himself you're looking for opportunities to let the good news of the gospel move from you into other people through your actions and through your words what if that's god's will for us and he cares what if he cares a whole lot more about who we are on the inside and how we do whatever it is we do rather than having that one thing that one thing that he wants us to do specifically But he's apparently made it so vague that we can't find it because we're all out there looking for what is God's will. What if we can't find the answer because we're asking the wrong question? What if the journey with God is in fact the destination? Because our calling in Christ is already secure and our calling is our whole life with God. What if the journey is actually what we're looking for? So what if we could take the brain he gave us and start thinking about what we can learn about what we like, what we don't like, what we're good at, what we're not good at, since it's him that, he, he that made us that way. Psalm 139 talks about that. What if we can look around at the culture he's placed us in, at the time he's placed us here, and what if we can look at what work options are available for us, which ones seem interesting, which ones you think you could do well, which ones make our world a better place to live in, which ones you could actually earn some money doing them, if that's something you need. Um, what if we could put all that together and pick something and start doing some stuff, With all of our heart like we're serving jesus himself allowing the words and actions of the gospel to flow through us and what if we can trust that as we make our plans that as we said from proverbs that god still determines our steps and his plans will prevail what if we can trust that if he wants us to do something very specific at a very specific time that he's actually capable of getting that message across to us as we continue to walk with him and to know him more. And also we can look in scripture and see that he's capable of getting across to people who are just running completely away from him um, if he wants to. He does that sometimes. I don't think it happens most of the time. When it does happen, it's not that that person has found their calling and you haven't. It's just that God said, hey, you, I, just, I need you over here right now. Um, but we're all called to ministry all the time. And maybe this is just me because I know I've fought this a lot. What if we could lose this idea that the more miserable or hard my job is, um, the more spiritual it is or the more um, part of God's calling it is? So a little pro tip, a little life hack. You're going to get your share of hard and difficult that you don't choose. Uh, some of you might get more than what you feel is your share. Um, if you have the blessing of choosing work that you, that you enjoy doing, it, that is a gift Um, and I recommend taking it. It may take getting out there and trying some stuff and it not going so well to learn what you like and what you're good at. That's how we gain wisdom, and that's not failure. It's just part of the journey and part of how he's growing you for other things. What if if the journey is the destination? What if you could say you're in full-time ministry right now as a student at RBC, and next you'll be in full-time ministry at whatever you do next? Eventually, you're in full-time ministry as a farmer, a lawyer, a mom, a dad, a teacher, an electrician, whatever it is, and as you wrestle with decisions and make the best choice you can with what you know now, as best you can do it, you can rest in the fact that God is sovereign, and he's guiding you, and he'll never leave you or forsake you, and through every season, he's with you, and he's good, he's really good. One of the things that, that really um, frustrates me is that so often we, we bring up uh, people. It's not that we do this, it's what else we don't do. We bring up people in front of our churches and we commission them. If they're going on a youth group or going on a missions trip or they're going overseas and, and to work full-time as a, as a missionary, And that's, that's awesome. I'm, we should commission them. But what about all the other people who are leaving there and going out into the world, um, all over that community. I want you to see that whatever God leads you to do, whatever you decide to do in this journey, that um, you are in full-time ministry for Jesus Christ wherever you go, and he is with you. And as you make those decisions, he's working, um, and he's good in every season, every season. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for men, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ that you are serving. So my challenge to you today is let's embrace our calling to full-time ministry. Let's get out there, start doing some stuff, cause some trouble for the kingdom of darkness, and may the light of the gospel of Christ shine brightly um, as we spread out all over the country and the world to do whatever we do as if we're serving Christ himself. Let's pray together. God, this morning I just want to thank you for um, the men and the women in this room. God, I know um, <clears throat> just how how much I wrestled uh, over the years with um, what you were calling me to do, trying to find just that one thing um, that you had for me and feeling like I, I um, if I didn't get it, right or if it didn't blow up big that somehow i was missing something and um god i just i thank you for the freedom that you bring into my heart and i pray um i pray for um a easy burden and a light yoke um, for these men and women as they wrestle and make decisions and figure out what it is that you are leading them to do god we pray for freedom to dream um, and to look at how you've created them um We pray for just the freedom to step out and do things and trust that you are with them. And also, God, the the sensitivity to walking with you, learning to pay attention to your voice in silence and stillness, and so that, um, as you, you may call us very specifically to something, that we're open and we're willing to step out. So, God, I just thank you that you are with us in every season. I thank you that you're good I thank you that as we figure things out in our life, as we wrestle with the pathway ahead of us, um, that you are with us and you are at work. Um, And God, we just pray that our lives would would reflect the glory of you, reflect um, the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. God, we love you today. We pray this in your name. Amen. Thank you, everybody.
1: Thanks for listening. If you found this episode helpful, please share so others can benefit from it as well. And be sure to check out our other podcasts at
0: rosedale.edu podcasts.